Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. All right, so we're going to talk tonight about the fruit of self-control. The King James actually says temperance. We're going to turn there in a few minutes to Galatians. But I I just want to preface uh, uh, the message tonight by sharing a few things uh, with you. Now, I want you to know that self-control or the temperance that the Bible talks about is not just a natural self-discipline. If you just see it that, you know, it, it's not going to minister to you and not going to help you. Now, do we need to be uh, disciplined? Yes, we do. And that's what self-control is all about. But it's not just natural. It is supernatural, and it's by the Spirit of the living God. Have you ever met people, and they have a real forceful personality, and they have a strong personality, they have a strong will, and it's easier for them probably to have discipline. But on the other hand, you meet people, and maybe you might be in this category, and you're not that forceful person. You know, you're more, you know, maybe some would consider weak or, you know, swayed easily or whatever. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to share with you tonight does not have to do with that. You can be a person that's not very forceful or vocal, but you can still have the spirit of self-control operating in your life because the spirit of God is in you and the character and nature of God abides on the inside of you and God wants to give voice to that. He wants to give a demonstration to the world that he is in you and so you can be Uh, someone who has self-control operating in their life. Now, maybe up to this point, it's not been so. Maybe it's not, you've not been walking in the fruit of self-control in the way that you need to. And I dare say that every one of us could say amen to that, but some more than others. But I want to encourage you tonight that you can have this fruit of self-control in your life because he lives on the inside of you. And greater is he that's in you than the one that's in the world that tries to tempt you, that tries to pull you off into the ways of the world. We're going to walk in the Spirit and not after the lusts of the flesh. Amen? Amen. All right. So, controlling our spirit is not quenching the spirit. See, some people think, you know, let's just say, you know, someone, you know, is moved on, they feel like, and stirred in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Well, do you think that you just have to jump up and blurt it out at any moment? No, the Bible says that the the spirit is subject to the prophets. The prophet is not going to move out because he has control over his spirit to prophesy when it's the right time. You understand? And so control uh, in your spirit, this self-control that we're talking about here, is not quenching the Holy Spirit. If God gives me a word, let's just say he wants me to speak a word of knowledge, which he'll use me in from time to time. Do you know that he can begin speaking to me in the middle of something that would be totally inappropriate to interrupt, whether it be in a service or if I'm out in a crowd with a group of people? And so my spirit is subject to me. I don't just have to get up and blurt out. Or go and, and, you know, into a group of people and do something at an inappropriate time. You see, we have the spirit, the fruit of the spirit of self-control. And that is not quenching the Holy Spirit. But some people would try to tell you that it is quenching the Holy Spirit. But see, God balances out himself there. And the prophet has control of when he prophesies. And the Bible says for you to stand and let someone else go even ahead of you. And that means you just don't take off, you know, on your own. So the spirit here we see of self-control or the fruit of the spirit of self-control is very important. Amen? Amen? All right. 
Um, I want to give you a quote that Donald G. said. Nothing opens the door to downright, now I want you to listen to this, demon possession so surely as continual self-indulgence in that which is physically unlawful. Now, I'm going to read that again because I want you to get this. Nothing opens the door to downright demon possession so surely as continual self-indulgence in that which is physically unlawful. Have you ever seen people that get demon-possessed? Have you ever seen anyone that gets into pornography and they get demonized? They are taken over by those spirit because it's overindulgence and it's habitual and it goes into something and it, you, that you just get possessed by the devil and the control that God has given you, you give it to the enemy. You see, it can be in anything. It can be in shopping. It can be in gossiping. It can be, you know, in somebody you can't keep, you can't keep a secret. When someone tells you something in confidence, you know, you, you just talk so long and gossip so long that you give yourself over to that demon possession because you haven't controlled yourself. See, things that are unlawful, if you continue to give yourself to that, Think about it. If you continue to give yourself to that, you will be possessed by that and you will turn over your self-control to some other entity rather than the Holy Spirit. That's a dangerous place to be. I'm going to tell you, in the world that we live in, this world, like crazy, is giving themselves over to demon power in unprecedented ways when it comes to Sexual sins. It is nothing in this world today that we live in to sleep with anybody and everybody. The movies proclaim it. The songs proclaim it. The television is proclaiming it. Families are indulging in it. And it's right there. And we just continually giving ourselves to it. And God said, I have given you the fruit of self-control. You are not a fornicator. You are not an adulterer. You're not perverted. You have my spirit, my character, my nature on the inside of you. And you can control your urges. And you can control your appetites. You see, but this spirit... The, uh, the fruit of the spirit of self-control, God has given it to us that we do not have to live like the world. Come out and be ye separate, says the Lord. Are you in the world? Yes, you are living in this world. I am living in this world. But we don't have to be of it. And see, that's where we make a mistake. Be not conformed. Be not shaped. Be not patterned after the world's way of thinking. See, the world's way of thinking is creeping into the church. It is creeping into the church. This is a dangerous time to be living in. And Timothy told us about it. And he said perilous times would come and we're in them. But God in the midst of it has given us his character and his nature to take us through that we don't have to be conformed to the ways of the world. Yes, we're tempted. Yes, we're pulled. But God said, I have given you this spirit of self-control that you don't have to be jerked around like the world and you don't have to act like the world and you don't have to talk like the world well you say if i if if i do you know this then i'm going to be different yeah different and better different is better we need to get some guts about us as christians and we don't have to look like everybody else and talk like everybody else and act like everybody else we are christians we're Christ-like. We're born-again believers. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. But we do not live like the world. And I'm telling you, I, that's burning in me. Because week after week, I see it. I hear it. I know it. 
In this congregation, it's not somewhere else, even though I know it's everywhere. But I tell you what, we're going to make our stand. It's up to everybody to make a decision how you're going to live. But we're going to make a stand here for righteousness and godliness and walking by the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. When we mess up, we're going to repent and get it right and get back on track. Amen? We're not perfect But we do have an opportunity to walk in the Spirit. Now, I want to read you something else. This was so outstanding. There is a large field for perfectly legitimate physical pleasure. And in this sphere, we want to be careful not to misinterpret self-control that we cross the line into misguided infliction of denial upon our bodies. Now, you see some people, and you know them, and maybe you've been one of these people before. You know, where, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. Well, did the Bible say that? No, but that's what I'm doing. No makeup, no haircuts, no jewelry. Now, if you believe that, go for it. But don't you put that on me because I'm not going to live that way. You say, well, that's mean. No, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm telling you I'm going to live lawfully. You know, and, and, and if you get in excess in anything, whether it be jewelry or makeup or any, you know, anything else, you can get in excess. But see, you don't, you don't need to, to make people think that you don't have any pleasure in life as a Christian. Well, I couldn't have any joy or I couldn't laugh. Well, yes, you could. The joy of the Lord is your strength. A merry heart does good like medicine. And looking okay and cleaning yourself up, putting on, if you're a woman, putting on a little makeup, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not preaching the doctrine of makeup. But let's get back to Donald G. I'm meddling, I can tell. There's a large field for perfectly legitimate physical pleasure. It's okay to have pleasure in life. And in this fear, we must be careful not to do so misinterpret self-control that we cross the line into misguided infliction of denial upon our bodies that is unnatural and repulsive to normal people. And you see people like that all the time. Well, I'm fasting today. Yeah, we all know it. You're grumpy as I'll get out and hard to be around and everything else, you know. You see, we don't need to paint a wrong picture to the world of what, you know, living and walking in the Spirit and having the character and nature of God through the fruit of the Holy Spirit and and having self-control in our life. We can be normal people, but we've got to be balanced people. That's what it's all about right there. The fruit of the Spirit, this self-control, is to bring balance into our life. If you can't say amen, say oh me. All right. 2 Timothy 1.7 in the Amplified, if we can put that up there. Let's look at that. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, of craving and cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love. Now listen to this. And of a calm and well-balanced mind, and discipline, and self-control. In other words, we walk in the Spirit. Fear does not control us, but we have love and power and a disciplined mind. See, some people think, well, my mind just runs wild. Take 2 Corinthians 10, take every thought and capture it and bring it into captivity to the obedience of what God's Word says. Not just letting your mind run wild. Have a well-balanced, a well-balanced mind. You see, I think that's a good scripture right there for people to stand on when they've had maybe um, people in their family, family members that uh, have had emotional, mental breakdowns and that kind of thing. God said he didn't give you fear. Don't dwell on fearful thoughts, but dwell on that he wants you to have a calm, undisturbed, well-balanced and disciplined mind 
that is self-controlled. See, the fruit of the Spirit is there to help you control those thoughts. You see, that's where people get pulled off into sin and, and, and lust and wrong things because their mind, their mind takes them there. They dwell on that. And instead of letting their mind be calm and disciplined and self-controlled, they just let any old thing in. I tell you folks, that's why you need to watch what you're hearing, what you're listening to, what you're seeing with your eyes. I won't watch certain things on television. I just won't watch them. If I'm in a movie and it gets too bad and and my spirit is sensitive and being great, I'll get up and walk out. I just don't care. I've gone to the box office and I'd say, I want my money back. I don't like this. You know, it shouldn't, you know, the way it was rated, I didn't know this, and I want my money back. I used to do that with my kids and embarrass them, you know. They'd, I don't care. I don't care. Because I am responsible for my eye gate, my ear gate. I am responsible. And if I want to be disciplined and calm and have self-control, then I better watch all that. And, and even as careful as you can be, I want to tell you, it still gets in. There are things that, oh, it's just like grieves my spirit. You know, I, something I read and it just, you know, is there before you know what's going on. Or, you know, it, it appears, you know, on the television set or whatever. And, and so God said you can have a calm, disciplined, self-controlled mind and life. You don't have to be out of control. When things get out of control, I'll just tell you, it's a walk out of the Spirit when it gets out of control. Amen. And that's where the demon possession and everything else can come in. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to tell you, you better watch things. You think you can flirt around a little bit. You hang around the creek bank, you're going to fall in. It's slippery there. You're going to slide in. So God wants us to live a balanced life. He wants us to live a life in moderation and not consumed by anything but God himself. Now, there have been times in my life where I, d- I really didn't even know it. It was in, in my walk with the Lord when, when I was new in the Spirit-filled life. And there were things that held me, and I didn't even know it. But, you know, then God gave me light, and I was able to deal with that when the light came. You know, when when somebody flips the switch, it was dark one minute, and there's light the next. Well, God can flip the switch if you're open to it and give you light and show you things about yourself that you didn't even know. But you must deal with it when He shows it to you, not just ignore it. Not just push it to the side, but you need to deal with it. Amen? All right. I've meddled long enough there. Let's turn to Galatians 5. We'll read our text that we've used through this whole uh, study on the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And um, Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, gentleness, or kindness and goodness, faith or faithfulness, meekness and temperance, against such there is no law. And so that's where we're teaching from. All those, we've taught every one of them up to tonight, and we're teaching on self-control, and this finishes our series. And so God wants us to be temperate in life or have self-control. Amen? Now, I'm going to just give you a definition of what temperance means. I've already told you it's self-control. And it's derived from the Greek word that means strength. In other words, self-control, this temperance, gives you the strength to stand, to make a decision, to do what you need to do. Have you ever felt like that you need to lose weight, but I just don't have strength? Now, see, that's what I want to tell you. We need to have self-control in that area. And we have the strength to be able 
to do what we need to do as it relates to that. But I mean, that's just one example of so many things that we need to have self-control with. It may be with that credit card that you just can't seem to keep in your pocket. Well, you know what you need to do with that thing? You need to find a drawer in your house and bury it under some clothes. And then if you ever really needed it, you can find it. But if you're a person who cannot be balanced or moderate or have self-control when it comes to that credit card, you better do something about it. And see, you've got strength here. This Greek word that we get temperance from, it does mean self-control with strength. God gives you a strength to be able to do what you need to do with life. So that life doesn't control you, but you control by the power of the Holy Spirit what goes on in your life as much as you can. Amen? The devil doesn't make you use that charge card. The devil didn't make me eat that chocolate pie. You understand what I'm saying? All right. I want you to turn with me to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1, and we're going to look at verse number 19 and 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe according to His mighty working of His power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. Now I want you to look at this, and it says... And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to his mighty power which he wrought in Christ? Now I want to tell you what I'm looking at this word power here tonight is because this word power and what is the exceeding greatness of his power? That is dunamis. That's miracle working power. But it also means strength that I've just got through talking to you about. God gives a strength that's on the inside of you that helps you overcome and have the self-control, this fruit of self-control operating in your life. What was it? It was this same power that raised Jesus from the dead. It was power. It was strength, okay? So I'm going to like this self-control to that power. There's power, miraculous ability, and strength. Just like raised up Jesus from the dead will raise you up out of temptation, raise you up out of all the pulls that would try to be in the world to take you in the wrong direction. You see, there's mighty power available, mighty strength available that you don't have to give in to the devil. You don't have to give in to people. You don't have to give in to circumstances, but you can live your life and and have self-control and discipline and live in moderation, not, you know, having to live like a hermit and the world looking at you and saying, if that's what a Christian is, I don't want anything to do with it. But looking at you and saying, they enjoy life. They can enjoy life. They know how to have fun. But there's just something about them. They don't do the things that other people in the world do and live the way that the, uh, the, the world lives, but yet they have victory in their life. They have the blessing and favor of God in their life. And see, that's what's going to draw people. Not because, you know, that we don't wear any jewelry or makeup and we go around with a sad, sad countenance all the time. That, that isn't going to draw anybody. That's going to... Cause them to go the different way. Amen? Praise the Lord. So, in Galatians 5, 24, it says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affection and lust. In other words, it was nailed to the cross. And it died with Jesus, the lust of our flesh. We can control what goes on in our life. We don't have to be out of control. We don't have to let the devil rule our life. We don't have to let other people rule our life. We can let the Holy One that's in us rule. And we can rule and reign with Him through Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. 
Romans 8, 8 in the Amplified, I love this. So then those that are living the life of the flesh, catering to the appetites and impulses of their carnal nature, they don't please God, they don't satisfy God, and they are not acceptable to Him. See, there are people that live their life and they cater to the flesh and to appetites that are wrong. You know what catering is. If, if I said, you know, you shouldn't cater to your children all the time. You know, you should discipline them. You should, you know, uh, do some things to help them to see that life is not all about them. And if I said cater, you would understand what I meant. We don't need to be caterers to our appetites and flesh, fleshly nature. Well, i just tell you right now, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Do not cater to your fleshly appetites. All of us get upset and we want to give everybody what for. But I'm going to tell you, you need a calm, disciplined, self-controlled mind that you're able to hold your peace and not just explode. I tell you, there's some people I just don't want to be around because I never know when the volcano is going to erupt. And you probably know people that are like that. That is not living a life that uh, is according to the Spirit and where the fruit of the Spirit and the nature and character of God is guiding a person. It's where they're being dictated and they're catering to their fleshly lusts and appetites. And of course, it, it's in the area of sexual sin. That's where we always think, but there's a lot more to it than that. You know, the Bible talks about ruling your own spirit. The Bible says you are greater than those who take a mighty city if you can rule your own spirit. And that's what I'm talking about. Without getting angry, losing your temper, yelling at everybody, cursing. Well, I don't, I don't curse except when I, you know, lose my temper. You need a disciplined, controlled calm spirit about you. Let this fruit of the Spirit, that may be what you've always done before, but I'm here to tell you, you can get some victory over that. You don't have to continue to live your life that way. I'm going to tell you, I feel like I've got victory when that happens to me, don't you? You know, I'm telling you, somebody can just rub me the wrong way and I just want to let them have it. And I've done that before. But it's not very pretty for me or for them. It hurts them. But you know what? When I can subdue and calm my spirit and control that urge, you know, the Bible says, I am greater than mighty men who take a city, a fortified city. I'm greater than those because I can control what goes on and what comes out of my mouth. Amen? That's so important. So we don't need to be catering to the flesh. We need to cater to the Spirit. Amen? All right. I want you to take your Bibles now, and I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to look at uh, chapter 9, and I'm going to start reading with verse number 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate or self-controlled or disciplined in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we do it, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that just beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Well, there's something in that last part of that that tells us, be careful, you may think you're standing, 
but you may end up falling. And Paul said, he knew that. He said, I can preach to everybody how to do it, but I can become a castaway. What does that say to us? That says that any one of us, there's nothing. We, we may think that it could never get us, but I'm going to tell you, it can. Beware lest you, you know, when you think you stand, lest you fall. And how, how many times, how many ministers... Oh, I never thought that would happen to me. And they fall into adultery or, you know, do something illegal in ministry or something like that. Never thought it would happen to me. See, that's the thing. Paul said, I have to keep my body in t under subjection lest I become a castaway, become worthless of no profit. Amen? All right. So here we can see that our, our body must be subject to the Spirit of God. And you can't think that I'm, too, I'm so strong that could never happen to me. The people that I talked to over many years of ministry that fell and fall into sin, that was one of the things that they said, I never thought that that would happen to me. But it can if you walk in the flesh. Amen? And he says, and every man that strives for the mastery is temperate or disciplined. And now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Why are we living for the Lord? Why are we doing that? Well, number one, we want to have a better life. We want to have God's favor and blessing. But there is an eternal life that we've entered into. And there's going to be a home in heaven. And there is a future for us. In eternity, we're living upon this earth now, but this time is short. The Bible says life is but a vapor. Oh, well, but I'm young. That doesn't matter. I was young yesterday, but things change. Life is but a vapor. And so you've got, to, you've got to walk in this life to receive that incorruptible crown. He said, people that are athletes, they, they're striving and they work hard and they discipline themselves and they train every day. They do what it takes to, to win the prize. He said, how much more should we work and discipline ourselves and live moderately and have self-control? How much more should we, because we've got an incorruptible crown that we're working for, that we're striving for, and that's what we're going after. Amen? Amen. So we need to, to realize and understand that. You know, as I think about temperance and I think about self-control and discipline, I couldn't help but think about Daniel. Now, you remember Daniel when he was taken into captivity? And you remember that um, someone came to him, the king had sent him food to eat, and it was out of his court, you know, the, the dainties and everything, the meat and everything that they were eating, the king was eating. He said, give this, you know, uh, to Daniel and, and, and those that were taken into captivity because he noticed that there was something, the king noticed about Daniel that he had a more excellent spirit. That meant that he was superior, really, that he stood out from all the rest. Do you know, we Christians, we stand out from all the rest, or we should. There's something different about us. You know? But Daniel was that way, and they came to him and said, Here, we want you to eat what the king eats at his table. And Daniel said, No, I can't do that. And, and the eunuch that came to him, he said, well, you know, look, uh, if you start looking bad, you and the fellas hanging out with you here, I'm going to get, it's going to be my head. And Daniel said, no, I'm going to be self-controlled. I'm going to live a temperate life, and you're going to see that I'm going to do better than those at the king's table. And so he did. And then he was self-controlled in his prayer life. He had that fruit of self-control operating in his life. Even though it's different, you know, we have the Spirit in us. But Daniel was operating in that, in that he would pray morning, noon, and night. 
See, it wasn't, well, get caught up in the affairs of life and have no time for God. Now, I wouldn't ask of a show of hands for that for nothing, and I have to put mine up because sometimes that happens. But we can't live that way all the time. And we do have to let this fruit of self-control and temperance operate in our life. Amen? It's important. When it's time to pray, it's time to pray. I remember years ago, and I, I decided I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to read my Bible, and I'm going to pray. And every time I would go to read my Bible and pray, it was like everything would be calling out for me to do. Oh, do the laundry. Dust the tables. Vacuum the floor. See, women, that's the way it'd be. Men, it's going to be something else. Go out and fix the car. Go do this, your wife wants you to do, or she's going to be on your back. <laughs> See, but you, you've got to live in moderation, and you've got to live in a way to where when it's time to have fun, you can have fun. But when it's time to get with the Lord, I, I talk to the Lord all the time. When I say, you know, I pray all the time. I pray in my car. I, I, I just pray as I go. I talk to the Lord. But I do want to have those intimate times to where I pull away with God and pray. You know, and Daniel was like that. He was a person that prayed morning, noon, and night. Amen? He's a good example to show us what, um, you know, living a life with this fruit of self-control is all about. Amen? Amen? All right, now I want you to look, you're, you're in 1 Corinthians 9 there. I want you to look in, in chapter number 10. There's some things that I want to talk to you about tonight, and I'm, I'm sure I won't get finished with all the thoughts that I wanted to bring to you, but nonetheless, we'll open some things here and talk about this. Okay, if you look in 1 Corinthians 10... 1 Corinthians 10, and you start reading here. I, I, I'm not going to read all those verses, but really 1 through 10. Um, well, really on further than that, all the way up to chapter or verse number 15, I guess. But here you see that this is the children of Israel. Moses is leading the children of Israel. And they were overthrown in the wilderness and they got into a lot of things that brought some really bad things into their life. And we're going to talk here for a few minutes. It, in verse number 7, Neither be ye idolaters. So they got into idolatry. Then they got into fornication. It talks about that. And that's sexual sin, but also this fornication can be getting caught up in the world from a spiritual standpoint. Okay? All right. And then it goes on to talk about tempting Christ. And they were destroyed of serpents. And really when it's talking about tempting Christ, that has to do right there of... Um, in, their, in their life, not having the self-control that they needed... And when Moses said, we're going to do this, and God said, we're going to do that, they rebelled. We're going to do it our way. We know more than you do, Moses. We're tired of this way. We're tired of eating the same old food. And so it got them in trouble. And you know what pushed them into those things? The idolatry, the fornication, and the tempting, not listening to authority and that kind of thing. It was the flesh. It was the appetites and the desires. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to have it my way. I'm going to live controlling what I want to do. And God says, no, you are to have self-control and discipline. And when I put someone in your life for an authority figure, you are to treat them with respect. And you are to listen to them. Where does that lead, that, that realm of um, authority well first of all it's with God and then secondly it comes with you know the people that God puts in your life it could be governmental 
You know, you may not agree with everything the president or, or other leaders do, but you are to have self-control and not be out of control when it comes to that. In your home, God set up the home the way it's supposed to be. Your family. And when you live and you're only catering to your own flesh and to your own appetites and I'm going to do it my way, God says it's tempting. It's tempting and you'll get in trouble for that. You need to control that when you don't agree with, with someone and you don't see it the way that they do. You need to pray about it if they're in authority and you need to do things in the right way. And I'm going to tell you this. Any leader of your government, any church leader, or anyone else in the body of Christ, they're not doing right, I'm going to tell you this. They won't get away with it because God will build His church. And so if you pray and you stand on the Word, God will see to it that correction comes. But I'm going to tell you, when you're going to do it your way, just like Miriam and Aaron and Korah and Datham and Abiram, the way that they did it in the Old Testament where this refers back to Numbers, if you do it their way, the earth opened and swallowed them up. Well, now physically the earth may not open and swallow us up, but I'm going to tell you, we get swallowed up by the world and demonic forces because we're playing into their hands. And so those things are important. I do not believe in abuse by authority. And if I was sitting in a place, whether it be the workplace, the church, or wherever, where that was going on and where you can't trust you're in the wrong place and you need to get out of there. But I'm going to tell you, you are to have self-control in how you deal with that. You know, I've been in situations before on the job and even in church. And I knew that it was time for a change to happen. But I'm going to tell you what I did not do. I did not get up into their face. I don't agree with you. I don't like what you're doing. You know why? Because that's God's authority figure. And even though I didn't see it that way, I, I didn't agree with it, I determined I was going to sit there and I was going to keep my mouth closed and I was going to do what God wanted me to do and at the right time and in the right way, He would show me what to do. And it's the same on the job. You start bad-mouthing, you start going around and talking to the employees that you, the other employees that you, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You need to have self-control and you need to keep it to yourself and talk to God about it. That's really the truth. And then you make your change and your move when it's time to do that. Amen. But if you do it God's way, He can bring blessing. But if you do it your way, you don't have any, um, anything that's going to say that, that you can be blessed in that. Amen. These people were anything but blessed. So we see here then that these people were idolaters. And let me say this to you. You can be in idolatry. And we just seem to think, well, you know, they made the, the golden calf and... You know, and the, we don't do that anymore. No, we don't. We, you know, our, our gods, our idols are a lot different today. It might be a boat. It might be a job. It might be your family that you put before God. Now, see, that's a little delicate right there because God expects us to take care of our families. But I've seen this before. I've seen people who are believing God for children. And God gives them children or a child. And, and they worship the child. And, and they don't come to church anymore. They don't serve God. You see, it's an idol. That's what I'm talking about. Of course we take care of our families. And of course we put our families in, in a right position and, and do what God tells us in taking care of them. But you can just, you know, idols today are more sophisticated. It's not a cow or, you know some graven image, but it's things that we put before God. An idol is something that we put before the Lord in our life. It could be a hobby. Is God against hobbies? Of course not. 
You know, you need to have some fun. You need to have some pleasure and leisure in life. There, there's no doubt about that. But when that's what your whole life is about and you have no time for God, no time for the kingdom, no, no time for the local church, I'm going to tell you, check and see. I can't say you have an idol. That's not up to me to say it. You, t- you talk that over with God. But you see, our idols of today are more sophisticated. And then the fornication you know, it can be literal for fornication. It got them in trouble, that's for sure. Sexual sins, perversion of all types. So I'm not minimizing that, but at the same time, I want to say that spiritual, spiritual adultery and fornication can be going on. We, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God is our, our Lord, our Savior. But yet, we're out doing and serving and all kinds of other things rather than the Lord. And we've left the house of God. We've left spiritual roots. And we're in adultery and fornication, spiritually speaking. Amen? So that's there. So we've talked about those three things and then the tempting. And that's, of course, the place of authority. You know, we, we have to be careful about that. We've got to have the fruit of the Holy Spirit in operation in us to where we control. We're controlled by the Spirit when we run into these situations. Because if not, we'll end up like these people right here. And that you can find that in, in the book of Numbers, this whole account of what goes on here. Numbers, oh... I know some of it's in Numbers 25, but it's in other places. Now listen to this in verse number 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for examples that they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore let him that thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Now... What I want to point out here is this fourth thing. You know, we've talked about the idolatry, fornication, tempting, and the authority, which has to do with authority. And then he said, don't be a murmurer. What is murmuring? Murmuring is complaining. That word murmur, if you ever, you know, if you, you know, somebody just just repeating and complaining and fault-finding and gossiping. Fault-finding is a big one when it comes to that. Amen? He said, but don't be a murmurer because the people who murmur are destroyed of the destroyer. Now, that's important for us to see that there. Amen? It's so important that we live a balanced life. I'm, I'm telling you, it really is. The murmuring means to grumble or complain. They grumbled about their lot in life. Well, I don't like it. You know, I hate it that I was born in the South. Here I am, you know stuck off here and I should be you know if I had just been in a big city or I could just move I know that you know great things could happen for me but nothing's going to happen for me here murmur and complaining and grumbling about where you are even your job be thankful that you've got one now if you want to believe God to take you on to something else go for it But don't grumble and complain about where you are. Be thankful for that job that God has given it, that it's providing for you. It's His source of providing for you right now. Well, this man, this husband, I'm so tired of him. He's just such a slob. He he won't do this and he won't do that. And this woman that God's given me, I'm so tired of her. She won't do anything I want her to do. She just lays around and eats chocolates all day and watches soap operas. Nobody here would do that. See, taking where you are, your lot in life, and grumbling and complaining is sin. But now listen, 
Well, I just can't help it. They're driving me crazy. Yes, you can. Because you have the character, you have the nature of God in you, and you have the fruit of self-control, and you have the strength or the power that we read about that raised Jesus from the dead operating inside of you, and it is a choice that you and I make. We do not have to give in to that, grumbling and complaining. You know, we all could grumble and complain about where we are. Well, God, why did you put me here? Well, he must have wanted to put you here. And you know when you're going to get moved from here? When you start, stop grumbling and complaining. And you have this self-control in your life. And you do things God's way and in His timing. God's ways are not our ways, are they? And His timing is not our time. I mean, you know, there have been times I said, God, if I were you, I'd do this for me. (laughs) But see, God knows what we don't. And you know what I have learned in my life? I have learned to trust the Lord. And grumbling and complaining and fault-finding and murmuring will get you in trouble. Just like it did these people here. It got them in trouble. Where if they would have controlled that and got it into subjection to the Lord and to the Spirit and to the Word, they could have had different results. But God has given us a warning here. And He said, look at those people. I, I want to tell you something. We, we need to live our life in moderation. Now, I said that a minute ago. But, but there's some things I just I want to share with you about moderation. Everybody say moderation. moderation. We need to be moderate in our food. You know, 1 Timothy 4.3 tells us that meat is from the Lord and to be received. But on the other hand... Uh, in Luke twenty one thirty four, it says that you can be weighted down through surfeiting or overindulgence or excess in anything, but including food, or in overindulging and drunkenness and that kind of thing. So see, when I say moderation, God made food and He wants to eat, us to eat it and enjoy it. But on the other hand, we're not to live life in excess in that way with food and drink. See, that's what I'm talking about, moderation. Amen? All right, let's look at something uh, else in our lives that is good for us, that we need, and it's sleep. God gives His beloved sweet sleep. Didn't He say that? All right. And then what does he say in another place in Proverbs? How long will you sleep, O sluggard? See, I'm trying to balance out some things here. Eat and enjoy your food, but don't overindulge. Sleep and get the rest you need because some people deprive themselves of sleep and you hurt your body. But he said he gives sleep, sweet sleep. But don't become a sluggard because that's all you want to do is sleep all the time. Get up off your rear and work and do something, a benefit for you and your family and someone else. Don't be a sluggard. Say, I'm not a sluggard. That's right, and I'm not going to call you sluggo. That's right. Okay, now we're talking about moderation in food, moderation in sleep, I want to talk about moderation in something that may shock you. Prosperity. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of His saints. Doesn't He say that? All right. But in another place in Matthew, He says you can't serve God and mammon. So He wants you to prosper, but you live in moderation. In other words, you don't let the money and the prosperity consume you. That's important for us to understand that. I've seen people, we prayed with them, and, you know, for God to prosper their business, prosper their life, 
And, you know, lo and behold, it happens. And I mean, they're just, you know, they get their just blessed. Just really blessed and favored and increasing on every side. Next thing you know, where are they? They're not in the house of the Lord because that money has become their God. And see, that's a dangerous place to be. But God said, if you live with this fruit of self-control operating and functioning and you develop it and cultivate it in your life, you won't be one of these people who lives to the other extreme. You'll be balanced. Be well balanced. God wants you prosperous, and we pray for your prosperity, and we believe for your prosperity, but we do not believe for your prosperity so that you stop serving the Lord and get your eyes on the wrong thing. I'm going to tell you that's one good way to get get your prosperity taken away. I'm not saying God will do it. The devil will do it, you know, just because he's got you in wrong thinking. Amen? But God has given us this spirit of self-control to help us. Amen? Now, I'm going to finish up here. And um, I want you to turn to James 3. James 3, and we're going to look at some different verses in here. But I want to tell you, when you think about grumbling, complaining, and murmuring before you do that, in times of adversity or when things are not going the way you think that they ought to go, I want to really encourage you to hold your tongue. That is not the time to have motor mouth. All right, James 3 and verse number 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. But the tongue, verse number 8, but the tongue can no man tame. It is unruly, evil, and full of deadly poison. Okay, I knew it. There's no way I can control the, you know, when my mouth starts going, I just can't control it. No, if your tongue is operating through the dictates and through your catering to your flesh and your appetites, that's exactly what it's going to do. It's going to set on fire your whole life and everything around you. Just let it go. But if your tongue is controlled by the Holy Spirit, you can stop the fires. And even here in this same scripture in James, it talks about the horse that is bridled and has the bit in its mouth. And the person who's on the horse can turn that bit and that large horse is turned by the bit that it is in his mouth. And so you've got a bit in your mouth, and you can turn your life, your ship, where it needs to go. But if you're one of these persons that does not have the fruit of self-control and discipline operating in your life, and you just let it rip, you're going to set things on fire, you're going to take your life in direction that you wish you never had. But see, we all can have something to do with it. It's not just up to fate. It's up to us to begin to live life according to the Spirit and not by the flesh. Amen? Now, as I'm ending here, there's so many more things that I could say about this, but, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let that be what it is. But, but Ephesians says this, Be strengthened in the inner man. And I like what one translation says, Be strengthened in the inner man through the union that you have with Jesus Christ. See, you are united with Jesus if He is your Lord and Savior. And you guys are a team. I'm, I belong to the Lord. I'm a team with Him. Amen? And through that union, 
there's a strength that God brings into your life that you do not have to live like other people in the world live or other Christians that are not guided by the Spirit of the living God that lives on the inside of them. Be strengthened in your inner man. Receive strength tonight to begin to turn things that are not right when, as it has to deal with this spirit or the fruit of the spirit of self-control and discipline. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.